Hello, good evening, good morning, good afternoon. I know I say those wrong, but I kind of like just saying it that way. Um, but welcome to podcast episode number three of uh, the Talking with Brian about Primary Immune Deficiency podcast. Uh, I hope you've all had a great week. I know I had a pretty decent week. I didn't feel too, too hot, but that's pretty much how it is all the time. <laughs> Don't feel too great all the time. But uh, well, thank you for tuning in, and just hope everybody's week went really good. Uh, we had some some severe weather this week. I uh, had a tornado just south of us, so I think what was it Monday night? I think it was. But um, hope everybody's okay. And we're going to talk about IV therapies today. Um, Basically, how you get the medicine into you to keep you healthy. Um, there's pretty much only, you know, with the hypogammaglobulin anemia I have, there's only two ways of getting medicine. Yeah. So we're going to talk about those today. Uh, one thing I do want to talk about before I forget, because I've been wanting to talk to you the last couple of days about it, but uh, Let's send some emails in if you guys would like to, to get on here and talk. If you want to help, you know, do something with the podcast. Um, if you want to share your story, let me know. The, the uh, email address to the show is talkingwithbrianpi at gmail.com. Send any kind of emails. You know, we can we can try to, to meet, to talk, you know, to call on the phone, do whatever we need to do to be able to get some people on here and talk about our issues. Everybody's got problems. You might not feel good. You know, let's find out why. I do want to remind you, though, that I am not a doctor. I'm not a nurse or I don't have any affiliation with any kind of medical programs or anything. Uh, my medical knowledge is for me. That's about as far as I go with medical knowledge. Uh, I couldn't diagnose you, and I don't want you to take anything on this podcast as a diagnosis. That's not what this podcast is for. Uh, I cannot diagnose you. The only one that can diagnose you is a certified doctor, nurse. You need to get with a doctor. They're the ones that are going to be able to tell you what you should do. And if you're doing self-medications and self-things like that, you need to quit. Because if you have hypogammaglobinemia and you're trying to self-medicate, I don't think you can. But if you are, please stop and get with a doctor. Um, this podcast is just about my my life, my my treatments, what I do. It's not for you. We're not going to have the same kind of treatment. Nobody's going to have the same kind of treatment. So what you hear here is going to be a little different for you. So please can take that in consideration. And if you do need diagnosed, please go to a, a medical doctor to get that diagnosis. So now that we've started that, I would like to talk to you about IV therapies. Now, <laughs> Treatment for PIs, and it's basically just to prevent your infections. 
um, there's no cure for hypogammaglobulinemia. Uh, you're not going to find a miracle cure anywhere in the world. It's just, this is not, there's nothing out there. But there are treatments to where you will be able to live a long and happy and healthy life. Um, especially if you start early. I wasn't diagnosed till I was 27, but they are now supposed to be, and I think it's in all 50 states now. I think that just came available the last couple of years. But infant testing is now being done for primary immune deficiencies. So that is a great news because we can sit there and know if, if a baby that's just born has a deficiency problem. And they can start taking care of that stuff right away. So that's kind of exciting, actually. I wish I would have had that back when I was little because it would have explained a lot of things, a lot of things. So hopefully that is something that we can do in the near future. Um, getting more treatments available is what I mean by getting in the future. Hopefully we can do more in the future now that we've started these testings earlier. <clears throat> the earlier you catch it, the better it's going to be. Um, now, a lot of a lot of immune-compromised or hypogammaglobinemia-compromised people, they have lots and lots of infections. Some of the symptoms, I know we've talked about this before, but I really want to stress this when we go into these therapies because it's very important to know what your symptoms are before you start getting a therapy or a treatment for something. Um, a lot of sinus infections. I mean, I don't think I've gone a day in my life without having a sinus infection. I really don't. I remember when I was growing up and in high school, I just always had, seemed like a, a cold in my head. And it was just sinus. It was sinus pressure, sinus issues, pain. Some days it was better. Some days it was where I didn't even want to walk outside because it was just rolling out. <laughs> Not to be disgusting, but just things were just coming out of my ears and eyes and nose. It was It was terrible. Uh, you're also going to, you know, you, like I said, your eyes and your throat, you're going to have runny red eyes a lot. Um, it's going to seem like your eyes are going to itch a lot, like there's something in your eyes. That's just part of the irritation that you're going to have. It didn't affect my vision until I started getting older in life here. But as a kid, it didn't affect my vision. I didn't wear glasses until I was almost in my 40s. So you don't have to, parents, you don't have to worry about that with your kids. Uh, your throat, you're going to get a lot of throat infections, sore throat, um, strep throat. I know I had strep throat quite a bit. I had mono a lot, and that, you know, affects the throat also. It also affects your fatigue. Mono, I mean, I, I, that's what they always thought it was, was mono. Come to find out it was hypogammaglobinemia. It wasn't mono, but that's what they knew back then. That's what it looked like. It's because that's all they knew. Um, your skin, you're going to have a lot of skin rashes, irritations in your skin. Um, nothing real serious, but, you know, if 
you're acne prone, you're going to have more acting, acne than what you would normally have if you were just a normal teenager or, a, you know, I've had acne since I was 13 years old. So, and it's just all part of this, this disease, this chronic disease that I have. You're also going to develop, usually, and they're, they're pretty confident that you're probably going to develop some GI issues. I did. That doesn't mean everybody will. But that's something to look forward to, or not look forward to, look into in case you do have GI problems. It might be because of hypogammaglobinemia. You never know. Uh, your lungs are going to hurt. Um and I'll explain why that's going to happen later on. But um, usually you're going to have like pneumonias, bronchitis, um, infections of that type. Hopefully they're not as bad as what I've had. Um, and like I said, if you start earlier, hopefully we can, you can get you get people on an earlier treatment to where they are going to have a better and healthier life. But there is no reason whatsoever if you get diagnosed with this hypogammaglobinemia, that you cannot live a normal, healthy life, just like the kid that's got a normal immune system. Now, the treatments, you know, in, in the I, IG therapy, what they want to do is they just want to normalize your immune system to prevent your infections. Um, they just want to try to get it as normal as possible. And that's what the doctors strive for. If they can get you to a normal level with your immune system, you're going to be fine. That's what they look forward to. That's what they try to do. Now, the main thing that they're going to want to put in there is called, they're called IGs. And I know we talked about it in the first podcast, like the T and B cells. Well, I'm going to kind of get a little technical, and I'm sorry about that. I know I don't want to get too technical on these podcasts, but this is this is kind of important. So this is something that you're going to need to, to really understand so you can get the correct treatment. But they're called IGs. Those are the things that go out and fill in your holes in your brick wall, if you remember that. Um, but <laughs> IGs, they just... Basically, they replace what's missing in your immune system. Um, IGs, they're just they're proteins made by your body, and they're found in blood cells. You know, they're they found in your blood. Um, and they, they're used, the, the IGs are used to detect what virus or infections that you're having. So the body knows what to send out to make you healthy. Now, there's, there's five different types of IGs, and four of them are not that, that big a deal. But the IgG is the most, of the, the most prevalent of the, IG, of the Igs. In fact, it takes, they take up, IgGs take up 70 to 80% of all your Igs that you have in your body. Um, that's a lot of Igs now your whole body. Now you have the, the five different types are called the IgA, the IgD, the IgE, then you have your IgG and your IgMs. Like I said, the, the, 
the one that's the most is, you know, the IgGs, 70 to 85%. And that's what makes, the IgGs are what's going to make you healthy. Now, with me, my body doesn't produce that. Somebody that has hypogammaglobinemia, we don't produce IgGs at all. Maybe very, very little, but hardly any at all. Now, I do know that other people that get the different other kind of, of, of IgG deficiency, like I think I have a nephew that is a IgA deficiency, and he takes a pill like once a month, and that is his treatment for the IgA deficiency. It's not that bad as an IgG problem. And that's the way it is with the other three of the IgG, you know, the IgDs, IgE, and the IgMs. The IgAs, they're all, con, you know, kind of together, and they're not as bad as the IgGs. Now, the IgAs, basically the th what the therapy does is we just replace it. We just put IgGs into you. And so how do we do that? Well, the IgGs are made from source plasma. And we get source plasma from healthy human beings. It's the only way we can get it. So I'm sure you've heard of people donating plasma. Well, you know what? Those, those people are our heroes. They really are. Because if it wasn't for them, we would not be here talking on this podcast right now. So if you know people that donate plasma, please thank them for me. <laughs> and if you are a plasma donor and you're listening to this, thank you so much. I mean, you do not understand what you do for people like me and with all the other primary immune deficiencies out there. Now, you know, there's other primary immune deficiencies that you just don't get IgGs. You get other stuff like, depending on what you have. <clears throat> I know there's all kinds of them, but, you know, in some places you need bone marrow, so, you know, other things in the body also. But the IgGs, everybody needs. So if you're immune compromised, you, you need the IgGs. And I'm sure you've heard how people are, you know, when they get a transplant, they don't want them to become immune compromised. So what do they give them? They give them IgGs. So what source plasma, what they do is when they, when they you know, they get it from the, the human body, a healthy human, and they break it all down. You know, they manufacture it in some technical scientific way that I really don't understand. They put it into some therapeutic products, and there's a lot of them out there. You know, there's there's quite a bit of them out there. But like I said, IgGs from the plasma is what we, what we need. So, if you're ever thinking about you know donating plasma, they will test you before you know make sure your blood is okay and it's good to use because they're not going to use just any old plasma. They're going to make sure it's the right plasma, you know, the, the, the best plasma they can get. So, like I said, they, they manufacture it, and I've, I've gotten two different kinds of, of IgGs. I've gotten them from, I know, what I'm on right now is Prevagen. That's what it's called. I've had GammaGuard. Um, and there's others out there, and you can go on the web and find them. But 
the Gamma Guard and the Prevagen, are, I think, are two of the most common, and that's what I use. So, if you ever heard of that, you've heard about what my GGs are. Now, there's many, many factors of what goes into an IB, uh, you know, a therapy along with the plasma. There's many other factors that the doctor will find out. I mean, there's like, well, how much you weigh, um, how tall you are, just, you know, other blood work that they do. They'll take, they'll take blood and find out what your white cell count is, your red cell count. And he will decide what's the best therapy, how much you should get, how often you should get it. Um, your doctor can, and he's trained to do that. He will, he will get that and you'll get an order from the doctor and whatever treatment you decide to do, you'll take that order and you can get your IgGs as long as you have a doctor's order, you can get IgGs. Now, there are two different ways of getting Ig IVs or IV treatments or Ig treatments. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, the first one is IVIG, and it's pretty much how it sounds like. You get an IV, you know, a needle in your vein, which they, then they put a little tube up into your vein, and you get it intravenously through your vein. Um, so whatever volume that he wants you to have, and he mixes it with, like, saline, saline and, you know, your IgGs, it's all mixed together. I get 30 milligrams, which... It's a lot because I get 300 milliliters infused. And that's that's a big bag. If you've never seen a saline bag, it's just short of a saline bag. So it's pretty big. Um, I get quite a bit. Now, your IVIG, you will get more of a volume with that. And you'll have to do it less frequently because you're getting a bigger volume. The other type is called IS, sorry, SCIG. And that's basically just subcutaneous um, IGs. And what they do with that is you just take some needles and you poke them in your arms or your belly or your, your legs and it gets dissolved into your fatty tissues. So it's two totally different types of medicine. You can't put the IVIG into your subcutaneous. You can't do that. It won't work. And you can't put the subcutaneous stuff in an IV. So don't mix those up. But the the subcutaneous, you'll get less of a volume. Okay, maybe I'm, hold on, I'm wrong here. You'll get more of a volume and you can get it at home as many times as you want. So you'll get a larger volume at less frequency with SCIG. Now with the IVIG, you'll get less volume, but you'll get it more frequently. So the IVIG is just, that's the way my insurance likes me to get it. I used to do the SCIG, and I really, really enjoyed the SCIG. It's so much easier on your veins. I don't think you have as many side effects with the SCIG than you do with the IVIG. Um, it's much easier 
on your whole body because my body, I ache after my SVIG, I mean, or S, or I'm sorry, IBIG. It takes a good couple days for me to recover from an IBIG. Now, I used to when I was, when I first started getting this stuff, the next day, man, we used to call it my Superman day because I would just be, it was like I was on drugs, <laughs> illegal drugs or something. <laughs> I mean, I would just be flying all around the place. I mean, my girls and my wife would call it my Superman day because I was acting like Superman. Not anymore. <laughs> it's really taking a toll. After 24 years, it has really taken a toll on my body. Um, I've only done the SCIG for about six months, and I really, really enjoyed it because they will teach you how to do it, and you can do it yourself, and you can pretty much pick a time. And it only takes a couple hours, maybe six, seven hours. The IVIG, mine started out being like eight to nine hours long. Yeah, just having an IV and you know, then laying there for eight to nine hours. And, and it's come down a little bit, but not that much. So when I have a treatment day, I'm pretty much, that's all I do. Because I get pre-treated. Now, I take a pre-treatment of, I get a thousand milligrams of Tylenol. I get some Solumedrol is what it's called. It's a steroid that helps relax me while I'm getting the IV and it relaxes my body. And I also take some Benadryl. You know, I think it's one tablet of Benadryl. And that's pretty much how I get pre-treated because I have been known to have uh, some reactions to the IVIG and, and reactions are not fun. They're, they're basically is your body telling, you know, we don't want this stuff. This isn't the stuff we like. And it takes a while for your body to realize, Oh, this is going to help us. Okay. This is fine. We can stop having a reaction to it. Um, I get real cold. I remember my very, very first treatment that I had back in 97, my mom came to watch I had my little girl there. She was just, you know, I don't know, a, couple, a year old maybe. And, I mean, my first wife was there. And we're at my house in Dayton. I, I'm, you know, Dayton, Ohio. And it just seemed like, you know, hey, I'm just, you know, I just got out of the hospital. I had pneumonia, obviously. Um it's just going to you know, be like an IV like I had at the hospital. No, it's it's a little different. You need to make sure you pre-treat because if you don't pre-treat, you're going to run, well, at least me. If I don't pre-treat, I have a lot of issues. I start shaking. My back feels like it wants to bend the other way. It just hurts all over. The whole spinal cord feels like it just wants, it's moving by itself and it it really hurts. So I don't like to have treatments or reactions, but I get real cold. I mean, we were, I think it was August when I first got my very first one and I'm under like five or six quilts because I was just freezing and the medicine wasn't cold. It was at room temperature. So, you know, it was pretty, pretty bad reaction. And the nurse that was there giving it to me, she goes, this is normal, but I haven't seen anyone really get real cold like this. So they were a little concerned at first. And then, you know, we called the doctor. Doctor said, well, stop it for a half an hour. Give him some more steroids. You know, let's up his pain medicine a little bit. And, you know, we finished the treatment. But 
it probably took a good 10 and 11 hours for my very first treatment. And, and I'm thinking, you know what? I don't know if I can handle, if I get this every four weeks and I have these kind of issues, I don't want to do that. You know, I, it's, you just don't understand the pain that I was in. I would not wish it on anybody. I really, really don't. Uh, but it, it was, it was, it was pretty bad. Now I'm telling you home and everything. And, and a lot of people might be like, you can't get your IVIG at home. You got to go. And you really do. You really are supposed to get your IVG, IVIG at a hospital setting in a hospital. Like there some places have little units to where you just go in and get infusions or some hospitals have offsite infusion centers or even doctor's offices have offsite infusion centers. And as long as you have a certified registered nurse that comes to your house and you have all the correct supplies at your house, then you can get it done at home. And a lot of companies, and that's what my insurance company wanted me to do. Hey, we're going to save money by you get it done at home. So that's what I do is I get it done at home. And the nurse should not leave you alone. They should be there the whole time they know what kind of treatment you're getting so they're used to it and they're, they they know they're going to be there quite a while uh, but do not let the nurse leave you are not to take out your own stuff out of your arm um, there's a reason for that and it, you know like i said those like that you know reaction that i had it came on quick it was within a minute I went from perfectly fine to freezing to death in like no time at all. You you can't, I had, when I first had this done, people were leaving all the time. I used to take my, the wire out of my arm all the time. Didn't know that was a health risk. Didn't know that I was maybe possibly could get blood clots or something and shoot right to my heart or brain and be done. But the nurses know what to do if something like that happens. They have you know, saline, they have stuff put away. I have a, a medicine or I have a file cabinet down there back downstairs where I put my recliner in and I have my, all my medical supplies right there, right next to where I get my infusion. And you have to have a certified nurse there that knows how to use all that stuff. So if you're getting them done by yourself at home, your IVIG, you know, if they just come and start you, well, that, that, that's against them. They can't be doing that. You know, I know you'd probably like to see the nurse leave and you got your own house to yourself, but they're not allowed to do that. And they used to do that to me, and I'm a big advocate now for making sure you get it done correctly. Um, I had a reaction at an infusion center one time, and I was in the hospital for four days after that because of the reaction. So please, if you're getting them done that way, make sure you have a nurse at home. And you know, at a hospital, you're going to have a nurse there and you're going to have a nurse at your infusion centers also. Um, I used to get them done at my doctor's office. He had an infusion center there. And if I had, I had a few, few reactions there and we would just call down, he'd come up and within two minutes, I'd have new medicine or, you know, something going on in there. So it's, it's, they work pretty quick and they know what to do within seconds to help you 
with your treatment. Now, that's not the case with your SCIG. And, you know, <laughs> SCIGs, I really wish I could go back and do that. I really do. It's very, very easy. I mean, they send you a pump. They send you all the supplies you need. You get your medicine whenever you need to have it done. And you basically do it yourself. You have to be trained. Trust me. You have to pass a course. They won't let you just do it. But, you know, my company that I went through, they sent me a, a DVD player. Well, not a player, but a DVD disc that I could look at. This was back before. You know, now we don't really have DVDs anymore, but this was when I was getting it. Um, I could watch how it was done if I couldn't remember quite correctly. And I had a book that I could look through that showed me every step. But you still needed to go and get certified. And they won't send you any medicine or any equipment until you prove that you've been through the training. But like I said, it's, it's simple. All you do, you can maybe three or four needles and you just put them around your body and it just dissolves into your fatty tissues. You know, it's really, really nice. And if you're on SCIG, congratulations, because that's really so much easier. You don't get the joint pain in your arms and your legs that I get, your veins feel so much better. I mean, I think that's why I have such good veins because I can't do the IV or I can't do the SCIG. I got to do the IVIG. So God gave me great veins. <laughs> and that's what everybody tells me when I go in and get to get an IV or something. Man, you've got really good veins. I know my wife's heard that many, many times. <laughs> it's nice. It's nice to have good veins because it doesn't hurt as bad. <laughs> So that, you know, pretty much is the two ways of getting your therapy. Um, and please make sure you get with a doctor because that is the only way that you're going to be able to change even medicines or anything, or even get these medicines. These medicines are expensive. I don't even want to tell you how much. I mean, you can send me a, an email and I can tell you through that, but I'm not going to put out there how much I spend on these treatments every three weeks. You know, I, <laughs> but they're very, very expensive. So make sure you're going to be spending all that money. Make sure you're getting the correct stuff and you're getting it done correctly. So get with your doctor. Make sure you're doing things the correct way. So if you have any questions whatsoever about IVG therapies or IG therapies, I'm sorry, not IVG. I keep saying that, but IGGs. If you have any questions, please send me an email to Brian or talking with Brian at, sorry, here it is. Talking with Brian, PI at gmail.com. Any questions whatsoever about therapies. I can, I'm, I'm pretty good on the therapies. That's one thing that I know a lot about. So please send me your emails. Let me know how you, how you feel about your, your, your therapies. If, if you've never heard of the subcutaneous, I, you know, I can get you in touch with people about that. It's very, very easy to talk to people about that. Now, another thing I want to talk to you guys about today is basically you know, what's your chronic, you have a chronic illness. I don't know if you guys realize that, but if you have hypogamaglobinemia, you have a chronic illness. You're going to have that for the rest of your life. 
you know, and there's no reason why you can't live a happy and healthy life. I was reading an article on the internet the other day and there's this, I don't know, I think it's eighth or ninth grader in, in Texas that she was coming home, you know, in, in middle school, she would come home and, and just her mom would notice that, you know, real dark circles under her eyes. She just looked sick all the time and she looked worse and worse as the the months and months went by and, you know, the, the girl was just telling her, oh, I'm fine. I just have a cold, but I'm just really tired, you know, and got to the fact where the, the, the school board and the school was concerned about her thinking she might be, be getting abused and stuff at home. And, you know, they really thought they should step in. Well, the mother ended up taking her to the doctor and the doctor told her she had a hypogammaglobinemia. So, you know, I think she took a couple of weeks off of, of school and, and just researched and, and got everything together and started her therapies. And she started looking so much better and everything. And, you know, school was still concerned about her. So when she went back, you know, the teachers didn't believe her. They said, no, there ain't no diagnosis like that. That's a made up word. You know, your imagination is going crazy. <laughs> This is this year, 2000, well, maybe 22. So it's fairly new. I mean, this this is not widely known about this stuff. That's why I want to get this podcast out to people. And I want people to be able to, to, to type in Google, you know, hypogamoglobinemia and see this podcast and get on here and talk about things because I was scared to death when I first got this diagnosis. I didn't know I was going to live that long. I really didn't. I didn't think I was going to live to be this long because of this illness. And that's why I want to do this. That's why I want people to interact with me all over the world. I mean, this is a worldwide <coughs> illness. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> so I hear stories like that. And that's why I'm doing this. It really, really is. Um, I've been looking for something to do. I mean, I'm disabled. I don't have a lot to do. Working on this podcast is really, I mean, there's a lot to do when you're doing a podcast. And I'm only three episodes in it. And there's, you know, so it's, it could be a full-time job. It really could. And you've got people go to work during the day and do this at night. I really don't know how they do it. But the chronic, you're going to have it the rest of your life. So why not understand it fully? You know, understand, you know, even if you're a caregiver, if you're treating your, your kids and you don't understand, get them tested. It's a simple test. It is very simple. It's a blood test. You're not going to get, you know, they don't have to do anything invasive or anything like that. You basically get blood drawn out of your arm and that's it. And it's just one or two vials. It's not very much blood at all that they need. But get tested, especially for parents if you're looking to see why your kids aren't feeling good. Because this is becoming more and more common. Um, a lot more common. And people are living longer now because they know about these treatments. And, you know, that girl I was telling you about, she's back in, she's in high school now. She is playing softball. She's playing soccer. She's going out with her friends now. She didn't used to do that when she 
was sick all the time. So she's back to being a normal teenager. And all she has to do is go one day every three or four weeks and have an eight-hour treatment. Wouldn't you, wouldn't, I mean, what if you could feel better if you just had one eight-hour treatment a month and it made you feel good for that whole month? You know, that's basically what it is. And, you know, she's very, very active now, like playing softball, playing basketball, you know, volleyball, everything. It's what kids are supposed to be doing. We're not, they're not supposed to be in hospitals and tied down feeling sick all the time. Kids are supposed to be outside playing, being with their friends, you know. That's, that's what kids are supposed to be doing. So let's get the kids healthy. Let's get them tested. Let's get the infants tested right out of birth. That way, you know, it's part of all the other drug tests now that they give a baby when they're born. And I know the, I, the Immune Deficiency Foundation was really big on advocating that to Congress. And they would have walks on Congress every year and just talk to representatives about, can we get babies tested all over the state? Can we make it a federal law? And they're doing tremendous work there about, about getting tested and, and testing your newborns. And it's, you know, saved a lot of people's lives. Now, I was going to talk to you about my, my chronic issues that I have. And I'm not, I'm not telling you this because I'm scaring anybody. This is not going to happen to everybody. This is a rare event. But um, I have a lot more chronic illnesses than just the hypogammaglobinemia. And it all started from hypogammaglobinemia, but I am a rare individual. <laughs> um, and the doctors will even tell you that. Um, I first started having issues back in 2000. And I was losing weight like crazy. Didn't know why. Uh, I went from being like 190 to 144 in like a month or two months, within two months. And that's not good. I, I wouldn't eat. I wasn't eating at all. I would take a, we'd go, let's say to McDonald's. I'd take a bite of a Big Mac. I'd be full. Uh, we didn't know why. So I went to my primary care doctor and told her all about this. And she touched my stomach and said, okay, we need to get you to the hospital. I'm like, what? My spleen was so enlarged that it had pushed my stomach down to pretty much nothing. My stomach, they couldn't even see on x-rays. My spleen was the size of a basketball. It was eight pounds. In fact, it was so big that I think in there for a while, I had the biggest spleen on record ever taken out of a human. And I know this because I went up to the Mayo. They sent my spleen to the Mayo Clinic up in uh, Rochester, Minnesota there. And I followed it up there and they did tests on it. And they you know, saw me so they could do some tests on me, find out why my spleen just, it was uh, November of 2001 is when I had this done. No, it was a day after Christmas in 2001 that I had this done because in November I actually had a lung biopsy because 
they found dark spots on my lungs and they thought it was cancer. So they did a lower left lobe where they take part of your lung out of your chest and, and test it and came back not cancerous, but they couldn't understand what these black scars were all over my chest. Well, they noticed them on the spleen when they took them out that I had all these little black spots all over my, my spleen and everything. So I went up to Minnesota to find out what was wrong with me up there in the Mayo Clinic. And I tell you what, that Mayo Clinic is something sweet. I know it's been since 2001 up there, but and I know they've probably changed a lot, but that whole hospital was underneath the whole city. I mean, I'm walking blocks and blocks underneath that city in that hospital, and it's amazing. I mean, they are so organized, and I'm sure people, if you're listening from Minnesota, you know what I'm talking about. That place is amazing. It really, really is. I mean, they've got the top doctors in the world up there. So really, really, the Mayo Clinic is on, you know, and it's, you know, it's worldwide famous. So, but yeah, it's a very nice hospital up there. They have their, their stuff together up there, let me tell you. Because so I walk in and, you know, they found out who I was. I handed them some insurance paperwork and boom, I was gone for the whole day doing testing. So it was pretty cool. And then I talked to the doctors up there too, and they told me that I had sarcoidosis. The sarcoidosis is a terrible, terrible disease. It really is. Excuse me. Um, sarcoidosis is what Bernie Mac died, passed away from. He had sarcoidosis in his lungs, and, and they, they, he had it so bad. He had it worse than I did. Um, there really wasn't much they could do once it gets started, because what sarcoidosis does is just attacks your organs in your body. Now, only 3% of people that get hypogammaglobinemia get sarcoidosis. So you don't have to worry about getting sarcoidosis. It's just, I'm, like I said, I'm in that top tier of people because I'm going to give you some more statistics here in a minute, but you know, three out of a hundred people, that's it. I don't think you have to worry about it, but I got it. And it attacks your organs and it attacks it in a way that's going to, it wants to kill them off. It just wants to make them not function. So I have steroids prescribed to me to keep it at bay. You know, they just won't get any bigger. As long as I'm taking that steroid, it's not going to take over my whole organ. And I'm talking about your lungs, your, your kidneys, your liver, your gallbladder, um, your skin is an organ, your brain, your eyes. It'll attack, it doesn't care what it attacks as long as it's an organ. So I have to get checked out pretty thoroughly every year to make sure I don't have a sarcoidosis spread in my brain or in my eyes. Uh, so it's just one of my other chronic illnesses that I deal with. Now, of those three people out of 100, one point, I think it's like 1.563 or I don't know, it's close to what the pi number is. I know that or 1.41 or 1.4, you know, whatever it is. They develop interstitial lung disease. So there I am again in that high. Yes, I have interstitial lung disease. Usually people that have issues with all this, they don't develop a lot more of these things. But I have interstitial lung disease, which is another terrible disease. Um, it basically, what interstitial lung disease is, is pretty much 
it scars up your lungs and, and it, it just wants to scar it all and make it all scar tissue in there. So when you try to breathe oxygen through your lungs, that scar tissue is going to block that oxygen to where you can't get it through out to your body where it needs to go. So I have that. So I'm on oxygen 24 seven. I'm also, you know, it's, it's affected my sleep. This, 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 um, hypogammaglobulinemia. I have sleep apnea. I wear a CPAP. And I mean, I, I think it was like 35 times an hour that I would stop or 45 or something like that, that I would stop breathing. Not as bad as in a lot of people, but it was enough to start my, you know, CPAP. So I was kind of right close to the, the borderline where I could or couldn't, but I was over that threshold. So I do CPAP. So I have a lot of machines. I don't know if you can hear any of them because I am in my office here is in my bedroom. So I have a lot of noises going on, um, which causes problems with my sleeping, which gives me, you know, fatigue even more than what the hypogammaglobinemia does. So there's a lot of things that you got to keep up on when you have a chronic illness like this. And like I said, please get your doctor to get involved. Become best friends with your doctor. I tell you what, I've seen my doctor and I've seen him at some of the stores around here. And, you know, I see him all the time. He high fives me and, how you feeling? And, you know, we sit and talk for a minute. But you don't have to be that, like that with your doctor. But you should be close to your doctor. You really should. He should know the intimate details of your life so he can make the best decision for you. He knows my wife. My wife knows him. He could call, she, she can call him right now and he'd be like, Hey, how you doing? You know, we, we need to have that kind of relationship. Unless at least people with primary immune deficiencies, you need to have a special relationship with all your doctors. You know, I've got so many doctors. I've got doctors here in Dayton. I have doctors in Columbus because all this chronic illnesses that I have has caused me to be in the pre-transplant for a double lung transplant. So I'm in pre-testing right now. We've been really close to be getting on the list before, but it seems like every time we get really close to my 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 getting on that list, they're like, okay, your lungs did better. So we're going to wait another six months. Yeah, that's, it sucks because I should have had a, a transplant a couple of years ago and I'm getting tired of these cords and everything, but it's smart because you want to keep your organ as long, your own personal organ as long as you can. Because once you get on a transplant and you have a transplant, and I mean, all transplant people will tell you this, that you're on a, you're on a short list then because you don't know how long that is going to last. That organ is going to last. Now there are people that live great 10, five, 10 years with their transplant. Wouldn't change anything in the world. You know, there's been people that have lived 20, 30 years with lung transplants. So I'm not saying just because you're getting a transplant means you're going to die. No, it's going to save your life and you're going to add years to your life. But it's not guaranteed. It's up in the air. You know, a lung transplant, double lung transplant surgery is an 18 hour process. Can you imagine just laying there without lungs for 18? And that's what I got to do. I got to 
physically think about that. I mean, that's what's in my head. I think about that all the time. Am I going to wake up from that transplant? Do I have things in order to where my wife's not going to just freak out if something happens to me? You know, the stress, stress of a chronic illness is so high that I've had to be put on depression medicines because of that. And I tell you what, the mental illness aspect of a chronic illness is something. I mean, any kind of mental illness, we need to, we need more help. Everyone does. Don't be afraid or ashamed of a mental illness. You know, I talked to a therapist. It's helped me out tremendously. Um, but I'm not just talking about mental illness as a therapist. I'm talking about any kind of mental illness across this nation. And we need, as people, to, to stand up and say, hey, government, we need some more help with mental illness. Because it's not, it's what's going on right now is not working. Well, it's not working. And that's another thing. We're not going to get off on that tangent. But, you know, people, if you have a chronic illness, you might talk to your doctor. Like I said, always talk to your doctor. Talk to your doctor about mental illness also. Whether, just bring it up. Just have a conversation with him or her, you know, whoever your doctor is. Because it will help. Um, that's just my opinion. It'll help. You, you can tell me I'm wrong and that's fine. But my opinion is it'll help. Um, you know, that's... I have a lot of issues. The hypogammaglobinemia started it all off. And I have pneumonia, like I said, three, four, five, six times a year. I don't think I told you that last week or sometime. I don't remember, but I do. I have a common cold and it turns into pneumonia where most people just feel like they have a you know a little cold or sinus infection. I'm in the hospital for a week. So... If you have this disease, or if you know someone, or if you're a caregiver, you know, Tommy, let's talk. I mean, this is the best way to improve your life is to listen and talk to people that have it already. I fully believe that. So do me a favor and let's let's talk. Send me an email. Talking with Brian PI at gmail.com. Send me an email. Let's talk about it. You know, I'm looking for people to get on the show and, and talk about their experiences. I'm looking for people to help me out with this show. You know, if you want to come on every week, I can set that up. We can get you on here. You can be a co-host if you want to be. Like I said, I will, the two of us talking about it is better than one. And I'm sure my voice isn't the greatest. So, you know, <laughs> if you want to talk with somebody else. Get in here. Let's let's talk about it. I can set it all up. You could live in another state, and we can still do it. It's amazing what the internet can do. It can make us look like we're right next to each other if you want. So, if you would like to help out, send me an email. If you want to be a co-host, send me an email. Do whatever you want to do because this is open to everyone. You know, everyone. Uh, So that's my podcast for tonight. I appreciate y'all listening to my, you know, me talking. 
hopefully it, it stirs a spark in somebody out there. Well, I would ask uh, for a favor, though, from everybody. If you will, if you listen to the podcast, please subscribe to it. You know, that'll help me out a lot. Subscribe to it. Um, and then when you, after you subscribe to it, go, go on the Apple podcast and, and give me a five-star rating. And the reason I say I want a five-star rating is so people that, you know, that's the best way of, of spreading this podcast around. Word of mouth is also good, but, you know, people across the world will, will be able to see, the, oh, he's got a five-star rating. Let's, let's listen to him. That's one way we can spread this podcast. That's the easy way of doing it. So please, you know, subscribe to it. Give me a five-star rating. Tell your friends about me. Tell your coworkers. Tell whoever has chronic illnesses or specifically a, a, P, a primary marine deficiency. You know, get out there and tell them about me. Send me an email. Let me know. I'll, I'll contact them. You know, I'll send them an email. Let me know what I can do to help everyone out there. Because I do. I just want to help people. I want them to feel less scared about hypogammaglobinemia. Now, I know there was other things I wanted to talk about, so we'll have to push that to next week. But but my wife, Tracy, will be on next week. She is queen. It's, uh, I've titled it. Tracy's Caregiver Podcast, or Caregiving with Tracy. That's what it is. I'm sorry. I was looking at the wrong note. But yeah, Caregiving with Tracy. So she's going to be on next week, and we're going to talk about caregiving. And if we have to push it to a couple issues, you know, a couple episodes, we can do that. But so if you have any questions out there and they're about caregiving or how she handles it, you know, send me an email. And we'll try to discuss it on next week's podcast. So and that's what we got coming up. And there's another thing I want to talk to you about next week. And hopefully I'll, I'll probably do it at the beginning because I was going to do it today, but I got a ran late here. But um, I'm going to talk to you about the zebras. So hopefully I will remember to do that at the beginning. But please go out there, subscribe to the show. Give me a five-star rating so we can spread this around, so we can get it to people that need to hear it. You know. And if you're interested in helping, let me know. You know, We can set up a time, and we can get you on the podcast. There's nothing wrong with that. That's what I want to do. That's what I would like eventually to this turn into is a big call-in podcast. You know, so hopefully... We can get out there and do this, and this will spread. And even if you're just like, eh, maybe share it on your social media. Say, hey, check this out. Anybody with chronic illnesses, primary immune deficiencies, check this guy out. So I appreciate you listening, and I will talk to you next week. And please, never stop being your own advocate. Thank you very much.